podcast I did with my buddy Charlie. We got Joe and Luke here visiting us right now to uh, help bring you into it. And we mostly talk about uh, Dan Harmon's uh, works, uh, Community, and Faster, uh, Faster. Faster. Oh. Shit, was that 20 seconds? No, it was you 15. You can get 99% APR. Like, share, subscribe. We're fan. trying to keep our intros uh, to a minimum, ladies and Because if gentlemen. they let Luke have his have his free run of it, they'll end up at like 11 and a half minutes. And then people yeah. will just be like, oh, yeah, I hit my head on that. That's why it's still playing. Yeah. Yeah, it happens. But well, uh, welcome. In any welcome event. to Thunk Tank. Uh, it's, maybe it's been a while since since uh, whoever you are has has jumped in. Said wow, tank. You took as long as I did to say nothing. Johnny said like a half an hour's worth of words. Economy like of words, seconds. sir. Uh, it's not just about content. It's about give me something, Joe. Quick. What you is got, it about? You got nothing. That's you don't even you have. You, it's not about content. You don't even have a content. You had nothing to say there. I, <laughs> I think Johnny pretty much summed it up. Yeah, <laughs> they, they did the podcast. A Dan my buddy Charlie. So uh, uh, he's a he's a jazz trumpet player. Um, mm-hmm. at, after listening he to it, he was born in Lafayette in I told... 1989. <laughs> and Luke, do you have anything else to add in this voice? Well, the thing about before the war was, <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, we just have a little discussion, and he's a cool dude, and uh, yeah, I, you guys I, should check it out. I play trumpet, he plays trumpet, and after I just listened to their conversation while driving around today teaching, and. I, I think I've decided he's like the alter ego version of Luke who went the jazz direction. He, he is bizarre Luke. He's like if Luke had been born as a jazz cat in the South. like Yeah. And that was his Super life. Super cool dude, though. So definitely. Oh, yeah. Really, really, really cool insights, especially if you're a Rick and Morty fan, a Dan Harmon fan in general. I really. Uh, yeah. There was so much that I was. There was so much that I was listening to that I was just. Sorry, my mic's running away. There was so He's much- done other stuff. We mostly focus on those two works because those are just the two shows we geek out on together when, when I see them. But there's so much so, to uh, talk about with it. And I think especially like nihilism, simulation yeah. theory, like all those things. You guys that, do a great job covering um, those too. So Dan Harmon really, does a good job. Yeah, of, yeah, it's really cool to listen to. Yeah. So and he has a podcast too. We'll, we'll we'll share this at him. Maybe he'll he'll be interested in it. Cool. Uh, um, the yeah, other I'm thing gonna, I was going to ask you, Johnny, is sure, why the heck should people? people help us out by donating on patreon you know that would be very helpful i could get more of these guests i would be able to get i have a lot of interesting friends we'd be able to get people in from other parts of the country and the world we could better like conversation kelly with it you're like i got a lot of interesting friends i'm trying <laughs> when you when you talk up like this it's um a sign oh. that you're really just australian <laughs> Or Australian? What? Australians always at, or no? I think it's New Zealand. So one of one of them. Oh man, they don't like when you mix them. This up. has nothing. One, to do one with of them always the end episode. on an F. Well, we wanted to give a little Funk Tank flavor bell. packet before they they swim in <laughs> the soup of, <laughs> of Dan Carlin. Yeah, that's what we wanted to do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, uh, what did yeah, I just anyways, say? Wait, Dan Carlin. Uh, Wait, is that the guy's name? Yeah. No, it's Dan Harmon. Harmon, I meant. I think you Sorry. can find George Carlin, Dan yeah, Harmon, and no, whoever Dan, Johnny's Dan, friend was who was the guest. <laughs> Dan Carlin uh, does a great history podcast. Yeah, Dan hardcore Carlin history. is. Oh, I, is I said that name, but he's hardcore oh. history. Yeah. This is all going off the rails. So we're going to cut it off now. And uh, thanks for listening. And, Donate uh, on Patreon. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, before yeah, I go, give us your give money, me Luke. Money. And uh, like, share, and subscribe. Let us know what you want. Boom. Or what you, um, yeah. Also, listen to the end. There's a rap battle. Not a battle, but just a, a one-sided. Oh, there's a huge was. battle. Best we battle. Did. There was rapping all towards the battles. The oh, Johnny, I have one more question in this intro. Can you say the word irrevocably? 
<laughs> Irrevocably. Oh, oh nailed it. Yeah. So you were I drinking. Was, I had a lot of stouts. Yeah, it was hard okay. to get that one out. Uh, Listen to about halfway yeah. through, Johnny tries yeah. maybe 20 times to say this word because each time he's like, well, I'll get it next time. Yeah. He never Johnny, gets it. Johnny, in your defense, because you said, oh, no, Joe would be horrified at this. That's a tough one. And that's something if I'm a couple of beers in. No chance I'm going to be able yeah. to say that. So yeah. I barely said it just now. Yeah. I'm like really happy I said I'm it. I'm amazed he was able to say it. That was <laughs> yeah, good. Yeah, I, was, so. I wasn't sure until I did it. No, I'm you not are, doing you it are, again. You are utterly <laughs> redeemed. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I feel better now. I All forgot. Right, so, uh, enjoy uh, the ep. Uh, yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the this rest. This will air first and then be on the lookout for 2018 Year in Review. And, and Thunkiversary. Thunk uh, we're about to record a Thunkiversary episode because we've Our been doing one this year. one year. Yeah. So we're going to drink a lot of beer and get weird. Um, yeah. And I'm going to talk about a new student I have who tried to roofie me. So, dear God. <laughs> yeah. So uh, enjoy this episode. And, but enjoy this episode. <laughs> Too much information. Hit the off button. Hit the off button. Right. Peace. Later. Right. I mean, enjoy it. <laughs> Attention, humans. This is a thunk tank. Please insert this podcast directly into your nearest orifice for viewing pleasure. Okay, you ready? Oh, shit. (laughs) Welcome to the Thunk Tank. (laughs) Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Welcome, come into our, come into our Thunk Tank. Luke, don't switch to the other peanuts. (laughs) Welcome to the Thunk Tank. Come in the tank. We're thinking. And we're thinking. And we're thunked. Oh my god, I'm probably more beer than man if we go far enough back at this point. All right, uh, welcome to the podcast. We got Charlie Humphrey. Humphrey, Charlie Humphrey (laughs) as as our guest today. And uh, he's joining us at the Thunk Tank South Satellite Studio, we'll call it that. Thunk Tank South. And uh, welcome. Thanks to, thank you for having me. Hello, all of you out there across the internet, across the radio waves. Well, there's no waves. There's Wi-Fi. But. Across the Wi-Fi, all you zeros and ones. Oh, I like that. Um, so uh, let's talk, before we get into the actual episode, let's talk about the beer we're drinking a little bit. Because uh, I know Charlie, from, through beer, just... It is true. Generally through beer, so... Uh, I will introduce you introducing it. How about that? There we go. Go ahead. Uh, so a little bit about me, Charlie Humphrey here, Winston-Salem jazz trumpet musician guy. I met John at the bar he works because uh, for a while there had a steady jazz gig playing every Thursday with a band, and we got to talking about beer one day, and he, we were talking about our love for stouts, and he said, hey, Chuck, I've got this thing at my house called Old Rabbit's Foot, which is Old Hickory, Duck Rabbit, and Foothills Sexual Chocolate. Yeah, all of these combined into a barrel, barrel aged, and I was like, "Oh shit, that sounds really great." I we might have had it on an early episode, but I don't think so. It's yeah. So each brewery brews their imperial stout. One's brewed with uh, honey, uh, one's with cocoa nibs, and the others with uh, milk, lactose, sugar. We're gonna get it. Oh yeah. And uh, then they mix all three together and barrel age it. And it's, it's just, it's hard to get two breweries together on a collaboration. So when you get three together, they don't do it often, but God damn, it's good. Here, let's take our si- first sip. Here we go. Cheers. 
Oh, geez, that's that's a rich beer. It's a lot of bourbon. The bourbon's a lot stronger than it used to be. That honey milkiness used to come out a lot more. Oh, this beer is about a year and a half, about 13 months old now, so it's been aging in the bottle. 10.13% alcohol. That's right. It smells like a, a rocks glass. Yeah. So uh, we'll have some more beers coming down the pike as the, the episode goes on. Down the pike. That's such a, that's such a New England thing to say. <laughs> Is it? Is that not? <laughs> oh, yeah. We got to down the turnpike. I guess they don't have pikes too much down we here. We don't have them, but that's no. funny. Um, that's all right. Well, uh, well, we'll bring up the other beers as we open them, but this is a big one. It's going to take a while to drink all 10% of it. So let's just get into the episode then. Here we are. Thunk Tank Splinter Cell Edition. I'm under the impression that we're going to drink a lot of beer. We're going to talk about the beer. We have a mutual excitement about the world of sci-fi, about comedy, about parallel timelines and the universe in itself. That's, uh, you know... Where we're high concept go. sci-fi. Yeah, high concept sci-fi. What a good yeah. subgenre. Mm-hmm. I think um, I think we probably started talking about doing this podcast back in I think it was late September because I had just finished watching a rerun of Community and had just I had done my second watching of Community and then I had also just watched my first run through of Rick and Morty and you were like oh. Dan Harmon did both of those, and I'm such a noob. I was like, oh, mind blown. And then... Yeah, so we were going to just kind of do a general sci-fi cast, but our conversations keep coming back to Dan Harmon. He's the creator and showrunner for Community, and NBC's Community that isn't on the air anymore, and Rick and Morty, which just got renewed recently for 70 more episodes. Uh, Very exciting for the, the science <laughs> nerds out there. Uh, and he's just he's just a very... He's a weird mix of like optimistic and like extremely nihilistic. Completely nihilistic. And uh, it, he's just an interesting guy, but definitely comes through in his work. Let's let's talk about community first, since that's kind of wrapped up already, and it's less open ended than Rick and Morty, which is still going somewhere. So community is about community college, a bunch of random people uh, in Colorado. You don't find that out to the last season, though. They just drop a hint that it's in Colorado. In Colorado. Yeah could be anywhere but it's just a small community college and the kind of you know second act of life people trying to restart it and uh it, it worked well with dan Harmon's sitcom writing because the first season is very you know sitcom-y very episodic boom you yeah got the whole guys trying to get the girl there. and he comes up with a terrible plot device to try to win her over which is starting a study group but yep. it, in dan Harmon's style just morphs into something uh you know way bigger than that he i it's across okay, so my my personal wealth of knowledge on him is only those two shows. I've watched them a bunch of both. But when I think about the stuff that he does in community first and foremost, because I first watched that in college like years and years ago while it was airing, is he's just he is absurd. Like he is just completely absurd with the things that he does. And it's it it's just interesting and it, it's it's mind blowing to me when it was first being aired. He would put that stuff on network primetime television, and NBC was like, "Sure, this works. We'll do an entire episode where one of the main characters, Abed, this is a, like maybe in the second or third season, has a 
complete mental breakdown and the whole episode is a Christmas special in Claymation. Yeah. And it was just one of my favorite Abed episodes. So, uh, yeah, there's a good time to mention Abed is, uh, Dan Harmon does some meta, meta quote unquote meta things, which is, you know, super self-referential or, you know, people wonder what meta means. It's like, you know, what is real kind of thing. Jokes on jokes on jokes. Yeah. And just layers on layers to the point where like, is the joke, a joke anymore or is getting it the joke, you know? (laughs) Um, but he does it well. And one of the characters is Abed who plays like a high functioning autistic kid who college kid who, uh, and a lot of them are older going to community college, which isn't that rare, but him and Donald Glover pay play two basically out of high school kids that are Mm -hmm. also there. Uh, but Abed's character is raised pretty much by television and he doesn't really understand people or facial expressions like severely, autistic that way yeah, it does not get but, social cues no but he understands everything television because it's quantifiable so he sees everything through the lens of a tv show and that's just his weird quirk amongst the characters like oh abed thinks we're in a tv show again and he has to frame everything but he's actually right he is in a tv show so he, he doesn't directly break the fourth wall by talking to the audience but when he does everyone around him gets really weirded out they're like who are you talking to like if he does try to direct it or like, he tries to run the show within the show. All right, we're doing a bottle episode. Everybody close the doors. We're doing a bottle episode. <laughs> and he's not wrong. That was a great... It was a bottle episode. So you hear Dan Harmon's, like, Greek chorus it uh, through Abed a lot. I love it. Um, yeah. I would say, throughout the course of the show, at the beginning, like you were saying, it is the Jeff and Britta, the Jeff and Annie, the sort of very mainstream American handsome man story. But then... I think as the show gets more absurd and it, it does start become more, becoming more self-referential, it starts becoming Abed as the main character, I think. Eventually, I think the whole show starts to rotate around him. I think the whole show was about Abed all along. And in his mind, though, the pilot has to be about the guy trying to get the girl, right? Yeah. Um, Someone from up top with a suit and tie was like, well, stick that handsome man up there for a while. Well, also, Joel McHale's character is this like, narcissistic uh, oh, he's a piece of shit. He's a piece of shit. Yeah, a narcissistic piece of shit, which Dan Harmon definitely identifies with and has some self-proclaimed uh, narcissistic tendencies. Mm-hmm. And he's an al- he a self-proclaimed alcoholic. And Dan Harmon. Yeah, you kind of have to be to be a great writer. That's a whole other thing my brother can argue with you. But <laughs> you kind of have to have the confidence that people want to read thousands of the words I have to say. Sure. And a couple of drinks help with that level of confidence, you know? Uh, but, yeah, you definitely see... I see him... Dan Harmon's personality, at least his public one, I don't know the guy, but just from everything else he's done in, is more so in um, uh, Jeff Winger's character and Abed's character. Those are like the two parts, I think. Because he's also a TV writer, so he's obsessed with that and probably sees everything through a TV lens as well. It helped me appreciate the show more, as basic as it sounds, that he was, through Abed, explaining what was going on. Because I was yeah. like, you know, I am your, you know, sheepy layman. I, I can watch Seinfeld. I can watch any sort of TV. But when he's up there, like, being like, hey, Charlie, grabbing me by the skull and being like, this is what's going on. This is the joke I'm making. I'm like, yes. I, I want it to be that straightforward and simple, you know? Because it's like, it can be right in front of your face and still be uh, fucking brilliant. You know, I think it's just, it's just, it's Rick and Morty is even more that way. It's just like he's just putting it all up in front of you. And if you want to peel back the layers, you can. Yeah. Well, it, and you can do so much more with animation. 
Yes. You know, they could do so much more on Rick and Morty than you can on a network show with real humans, unfortunately. But uh, this, this is a heavy beer. <laughs> We're both pulling away from the mic and... Excuse me. Excuse me. Uh, tangent. Not a, well, not a tangent, but we'll just go back to the beer for a second. We're saying Old Hickory, Duck Rabbit, and Foothills, uh, three Imperial Stouts combined into one beautiful 22-ounce kick to the nuts. Favorite brewery of the three? Ooh. Um, hmm. I've never been to Duck Rabbit, um, but I've had some cool beers out of Old Hickory. Mm-hmm. Might have to give it to... Duck Rabbit. Duck Rabbit. I mean, Foothills is great too, but mm-hmm. you know they just they aren't doing anything too inventive right now. Um, I like IPAs and stouts are yeah. what they're known for, kind of. I, I like um, I like Old Hickory because I think that they have a couple of styles. Imperial Stout being one that they do really well, and they know it, and they're like, "All right, this is that time of year. We're going to put out that one beer that." everyone likes and then for the rest of the year if you want it come up to the to the bar yeah. and have a lager but you know i'm gonna have to switch it to old hickory yeah i'm switching back because they they do some cool stuff too they made an old-fashioned beer that tasted like an old-fashioned the mixed drink but it, it was a beer and it was it was awesome it was barrel aged too so it had that bourbony tasted like a, a perfectly balanced cocktail they do they, and their their tap room is great yeah they make very good dark beer i've as mentioned, I'm a jazz musician and trumpet player, and I've played like downtown festivals in Hickory before, and they always have like just off to the side of the stage, they'll have a couple of kegs where they give the band beer for free, and I'll say, not you know, I don't know what their flagship is, but their their basic stuff very average, you know, Ooh, I, old Hickory. Mm-hmm. The the in my opinion, like their pale ale, their lager, it's a pale ale and it's a lager. But this like special release stuff and the dark beer stuff is, I think it's it rises above a lot of North Carolina beer when it comes to dark beers. Yeah, that's pretty good. Um, yeah, I was just I was just, I just like it because they have a cask ale at their tasting room. Just they have a what cask ale? A cask ale. A cask ale is where instead of you kegging the beer and carbonating it and using CO two to serve it, you hook it up to a tap still in the barrel it fermented in. And you kind of you, you actually draw it up like those old school hand oh. pumps, and uh, it's served like really flat and warm, like room temperature. But a good cascale can be amazing. I love warm beer. You should check out. Keep an eye out for <laughs> cascales out in the wild. Then, okay, okay, enough about beer. Everybody knows about beer. Craft beer sweep of the nation. Boom, boom. You got it. <laughs> it sure is. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm thinking. As we were talking about community, I was then thinking about an episode. Gosh, it's maybe it's in the mid. It's like right at the end of when Dan Harmon was a main writer on the show, and he was like getting like he was in his wheelhouse at that point. And there's an episode where Annie and Abed and uh, Troy are living together in that apartment, and they have everybody over, and they play a board game. And this board game turns into this weird alternate timeline concept where there becomes like a dark timeline. Oh, oh, oh. Yeah, dark no, Abed with the goatee. It was the pizza was being delivered. Pizza was being delivered. And yeah, Jeff wanted to roll a dice, a die to decide who has to get the pizza. And in Abed's mind, that just caused too many variables. 
and and randoms that he because he's always trying to figure out well this why is this person upset I can't tell so I have to like do detective work and figure out and he keeps charts of the women in the study groups menstrual cycles because <laughs> he couldn't understand why they were upset and when he's like oh I can use this to quantify it and he oh I get it now this time of the month Annie is a bit more reactionary yeah and and so like that's the way he has to organize his the world around him so when he's like yeah you might have six random possibilities coming up. Yeah, Abed couldn't handle that, and he imagined all these alternate timelines. I love that. Well, first of all, I love in that moment, okay, so there's seven people in the study group, and Jeff Winger says, okay, whoever's number hits the die, and he starts counting one to his left. Yeah, he goes, starting at my left, yeah, so you're six, number one. He's never going to get called. Nope. I love that, but then I also, in that, I find it is a lot of that, that's like Dan Harmon like, can't keep his, like, wacko crazy cosmos sci-fi out of his sitcom you know like it shows up there in a really brilliant way that is completely parallel to one of the main tropes in rick and morty is like parallel timelines it's there he believes in it shit i don't know anything about the cosmos but parallel timelines like that's just wild stuff to write about yeah i i think it's more he has this like nihilistic uh, like salopalism, let's call it, which is the idea that you're the only thing real in this universe. You're like, I'm in a dream. I'm dreaming right now, and everything around me is a projection. Like, you're not really here in the studio recording this. You're just, I'm just imagining it. Like, I'm the only real part. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that's true or not, it kind of is true for each person because you can't tell if anyone else is really experiencing yeah. things. So, do you uh, see green the same way I see green? Right. Yeah, that uh yeah, exactly. And so Rick kind of All right, let's just jump to Rick and Morty then cuz <laughs> this is a great good time as any. Uh great show. We're not going to set it up too much. If you're on the internet listening to this, you probably know about yeah, Rick and Morty. If you know about the internet. Yeah, if not, you should go watch the pilot and then come back. Uh this isn't going to make any sense otherwise and it's a 20-minute amazing pilot. But why don't you set up the the show? Generally, Rick and Morty animated. Uh, I, I was watching it before I came over here and realized it's TV 14, which I think is completely absurd. It should be like TV 21, <laughs> but it's like late night animated, completely adult humor. Rick and Morty, grandson, grandfather, Rick being the grandfather, he's the smartest man in the universe. Yeah, that's and the premise. he's a complete nihilist. Mm-hmm. And that's it. He's also very narcissistic and oh. a raging alcoholic. Oh, we're uh, something's repeating itself here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a trend there. But I just love that combination of he's super arrogant, but he also doesn't think anything means anything, including his own. Ar- you know, it's it's a weird like why are you trying so hard? Like why is it so important to you to prove you're the smartest guy if if like you're yeah. the only one that it would be worth proving to, right? He he's like. There's an episode where him and Morty t- literally turn the entire planet's genetic code into some wacky, they're like some weird amphibious anti-morphic bullshit creature that is completely unrelated to humans, and Morty's like freaking out, and Rick's like, why does it matter, Morty? Opens his portal gun and says, let's just go to a different Earth. They show up to a different Earth, shoot themselves, bury them own, their own bodies in the backyard and say, here we go. Yeah. Let's just live in this life now. Well, because there's so many timelines 
they actually didn't even have to kill themselves. They just picked a timeline that was exactly the same, except in that moment, instead of ruining the, their world, yes, they, yes. they happened to die in an accident. <laughs> so everything else is the same, but they, they die horribly in this timeline. So it was the perfect one to just move in. Because nobody, there's no, no one needs to know they died horribly. They'll just jump from theirs, which they ruin. That's that, it's that sort of absurd humor, that sort of dark, nihilistic shit that I love. I love, that's my favorite part about Rick and Morty. Uh, I was watching an episode in season three before I came over here where he takes Jerry, Morty's father, Rick's son-in-law, he takes Jerry to some, you know, outer rim bar. Well, like a Dave and Buster's in space kind of thing. Yeah, right? and yeah. they can't die. Mm-hmm. And, but, because th- there's some immor- immortality force field surrounding this planet and, you know, there's a very quick scene where you see two little kids having fun in the bar. One shoots the other one, he gets back up, and they keep playing. One shoots the other one, he gets back up, and he keeps playing. Then, about three-quarters through the episode, the immortality shield breaks, and the very first thing you see is that same kid shooting the other kid and dying. And yeah, he's like, and the hey. other kid's like, hey, get up. Yeah, because they'd been doing it all day. How fucking dark is that, man? <laughs> that is just like, that's TV-14? Really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's like, but they're alien kids. They're not real kids. Oh, okay. So. Okay. They're not, they're not human. I do love that episode, though. Uh, yeah, that was what I was watching just before I left, and I was just like, season three is, that whole show is absurd. So this, we could tie this with Community, too, which what I loved about Community as a sitcom is it took place in a college, community college. Now, there's a lot of shows that will take place in something like that, which is, a, you know, like a, uh, a workplace yeah. comedy or something, but like something where it's a finite part of somebody's life, like let's say a high school drama or something. Mm. And it's still going on six seasons in. It's like, when do these people graduate from high school? Like nothing's <laughs> changed. You're still the junior that's getting in trouble from the principal. Like you have more facial hair than the principal at this point. Like mm-hmm. you're 25. Mm-hmm. What's going on? And Dan Har- Harmon doesn't seem to do that with his shows. Like community changed season to season. The first season, Jeff was too cool to be there. And and by the last season, he's the only one still permanently there, and he's kind of an embittered teacher. Yeah, he's a better person, but he's not happy with where that he's no. stuck there. And a lot of the other people have either moved on or have ended up back there because there's nothing better. But it, their roles actually change from season to season, episode. It's not like a normal show where everything's back to normal. Everyone mm-hmm. learned their lesson, but then they're back to being mean to that character again. Mm-hmm. Next episode, it's like, wasn't that whole last episode about bullying and you learn to be nice to each other and now they're the, they're the comic relief again because that's the formula for the show. Mm-hmm. Like his characters actually will change and grow. And Rick and Morty specifically, from episode one of season one to episode the ten of season three, they kind of switch roles. I want to talk to you about this. Is, okay. Is so it's based on they're based on Doc and Marty from Back to the Future, roughly based. It's a it's a bad animation that Justin Rolian did years ago, and it's on YouTube where. Like, it's just a bunch of dirty sex jokes between the Doc and Marty. Of course, they had to rename it for legal Rick reasons to Morty. Rick and Morty. But <laughs> it's just the idea that there's this scientist that, for some reason, co-ops a totally unqualified child, uh, which is just funny in itself. But it, it's, it's at the beginning, Morty's the optimistic kind of kid. He's an innocent, naive kid. And Rick is kind of this bitter 
like harsh, nothing matters, nihilist. And as the show goes on, you see Morty picking up more of those mm-hmm. characteristics, mm-hmm. and you see Rick really softening. And what he would have, what his character, we, we might not, but his character would consider weaknesses like attachments to empathy. people and empathy and things that get in the way of his plans or you know mess him up, trip him up. He seems to be more prone to that. Uh, the Citadel episode in season three, I think, is the best example of this because there's so in, he has a portal gun. He can go to. There's teleportation in that show, and then there's uh, interdimensional transportation. So you could teleport anywhere in your galaxy. That would be amazing for us. But imagine being able to teleport anywhere in any universe, any timeline. So it's a, it, it's like the ultimate teleporter. And because of that, there's enough. There's infinite timelines. There's enough Ricks that don't like their timeline. They get yeah. together and build a giant city in a separate timeline where they can be safe from you know interdimensional. Uh, police force, time cops, or whatever you want to call it. So they make the Citadel, and the Citadel of Ricks. The Citadel of Ricks, <laughs> but there's Ricks and Mortys, and a lot of the Morty, the Rickless Mortys, end up at the Citadel. So in season one, there's a spoiler alert for the whole show, by the way. Boom, here it is. But Hit season- pause, everybody. <laughs> in season one, there's uh, it kind of ends with they find there's an evil Rick and an evil Morty. Remember that? Oh, is this end of season one? They destroyed the Citadel of Ricks. No, no, that's the end of season three. I'm going back to the end of season one. Okay. There's an e- they find a, like an under, I think it was like an underwater dome covered in tortured Mortys. Yep, yep. And there was oh, an evil Rick God. in there that was going around killing Ricks. Then you find out that that Rick was a robot Rick being controlled by an evil Morty somewhere at the very end of the episode. I'm following you. So there's... So he's been going around killing Rick. So the Citadel's full of all these Rickless Mortys because the, the balance has been thrown off. And then he, that same evil, I'm convinced it's the same evil Morty, he engineers the political process of the Citadel to run for president and he unifies the Morty vote while there's like six Ricks to split the Rick vote and he gains power that way. <laughs> God, what an absurd show. It, It's so absurd, <laughs> but... but um, yeah, that whole the Citadel of Ricks episode. If we jump ahead to when that happens, like they show you the life of like a street cop mm-hmm. of, a, of a Rick lit working in a factory. Like they show all these different tales from the Citadel. I think it's called Tales from the Citadel. Yeah, it had just started that episode when you called me. Oh my gosh, have you seen it? I, oh, I've seen it before. Okay, yeah, yeah, it's it's so good. But um, like that is like and even at one point Rick destroys the citadel he does and you think that's a big deal but when you think about it if there's infinite like timelines there should be infinite citadels also right and there are so, and there are so it's not that big a deal so that's where Rick gets this detachment from is like he has infinite backups which when i started thinking about it it kind of holds true in back to the future none of these people are real to them cuz they're fucking with the timelines they're, they're they're them too and their immediate family that keeps their existence happening are the only things they care about yeah, they don't actually like all these players because they could just go back and fix it if they need to. So they kind of these are just like NPCs roaming around in their game in their in, mo- in the movie, NPCs. you know. And they they don't really it doesn't really matter. It's like oh, I got to save Doc. It's like even if I'm going to crash this train or throw this or who cares how it affects the timeline. And it's because I'm because once you get to that level of science, like it fuck other people. I appreciate that in Rick and Morty um, among shows that talk about time travel and well this this show is even it sort of goes beyond the concept of time travel it's like it's a it's above time travel but a lot of shows that used to talk about time travel they're like don't touch anything don't move anything around yeah. you're going to change the future but rick is like who 
what what the fuck is future? The time is, you know, it doesn't really exist. We'll move between all sorts well, of concepts. If you're stuck in one timeline and you fuck up that timeline, I could see that being a problem. Like you create a time loop where you're you have to go back and bang your own mother or something. <laughs> you know, that could happen. And if you don't continue the loop, you just stop existing. Like that would suck. That would Because then you know at some point you either did or you're going to for the rest of your life be have to do that. But the Rick has the option. He he could time travel because he does freeze time in one episode. I love that. <laughs> he, you could time travel, but he can just jump to other dimensions. It doesn't. Yeah, he, he like literally sees the universe. I mean, and this is like an actual quantum scientific concept as a matrix, where you yeah. can move past, present. Or I guess like a Z. I'll. I mean, I don't. I'm not a fucking scientist, but I mean, like he's really <laughs> a jazz scientist. <laughs> he sees it as a matrix, and he can just move in any any way he wants. He can show up to a timeline where everyone's head is a butt, or he can show up to a timeline where his wife isn't dead. Which that never really comes up. It will. They got seven more seasons to yeah. address it. They'll they'll get to it. It comes up that one episode where he discovers the how his he invents the portal gun. But that was all fake. That he, was the he was oh in a Shoney's in his own God. mind. Remember, none I of just, that was real. I was watching that episode. I season. All right, if you've never watched Rick and Morty, just fast forward to season three and then watch everything. <laughs> behind and then start over and watch the whole they show just again. binge the whole show it's like four they're, times they're like 20 minutes i've seen it probably about four or five times that, that shoney's episode that's one of those ep- that's that's a great example of him with his empathy he turns himself into the intergalactic federation the and he goes but, to jail. so so that's how season two ends yeah with him turning himself in because he, he has to because his family's yeah, cornered he, mm-hmm I don't think that was him really giving up, though, because he knew they were going to try to brainwash him. He knew, I'm probably smart enough that I can get out of this, which is what... Well, he does. Which is what happens, so... And he steals something, maybe? So, yeah, that episode... Let's let's get into that one, because that's <laughs> one of the better ones, too. So he ends up uh, locked up in a galactic... Federal galactic prison. And Maximum they're like, security. Yeah, and like so, and it's this omnipresent government that comes to Earth and installs their government, and it's just this, you know... 1984 and spacey kind of thing, maybe. Yeah, it's but like it's like Star Wars Empire style. Yeah, it's not even that bad of an empire. It's just to someone like like Rick, who's an anarchist scientist, like he can't have any sort of oversight or someone telling him what to do. So he doesn't like them. But he realizes his family is so he could have just jumped to another timeline where they weren't. They didn't find out he was hiding on Earth. But instead, he decides. Well, I'm going to try to save this. This timeline first before i jump that's a big step for rick though. sure because he could have just abandoned them all and tried again which he does numerous times yeah i don't even think season one because they say that rick shows up out and they keep mentioning how like he left when she when beth was young mm-hmm. and that's why she ends up with this idiot husband of hers and has a kid in high school and all that they you think is because rick kind of left and then he just shows up and moves into the garage like 10 years later mm-hmm or 15 well yeah because summer's a teenager so over a decade later he just comes back i don't even think that's really her rick i think he just picked that timeline he picked a rickless timeline and that's why he's such a dick in the beginning of the show because these aren't this isn't really his family it's just another family that he's camping with i would love to and i'm sure someone out there who has done it i would love to go through that show and try and keep track of how many times him and morty cut out on themselves it's two or three so far 
so far. Yeah. Because the first time he does it where he abandons that the Cronenberg timeline to jump to the other one, the first time he does it, he goes, well, we can't do this every week. We can only do this like four or five more times. No, there's no reason they can't do it any week, every week. That was Dan Harmon trying to limit himself as a writer to be like, I can't just have this magical. Yeah, it's a pretty big scapegoat. Yeah, this magical thing to get me out of a jam when I'm writing a script is, uh, and they just go to the next timeline. But it is fun to use now and then. I love and when you know it's coming, it, it makes the characters... Because on a lot of shows, you know they're not going to kill off this guy or that guy because they're main characters. But it's like, well, they might for the rest of this season and then bring them back when they jump to another one. They Well, yeah. they. I love the, the times when they jump back to that Cronenberg yeah. timeline. And then you, at one point, see Cronenberg, Rick and Morty show up to the Cronenberg world from their other timeline. <laughs> like, other too time. bad we ruined our Cronenberg world and made it all normal. Yeah. Goes, yeah, but don't think about it. Now we're in a perfectly Cronenberg world that they Cronenberg. God, man. He, him, okay, this. I mean, this, we can't give him all the credit. He does have like a writing team for that one. Yeah. But, you know, that's what he did when he coming off community with his fame as a writer. He, you know, went to Adult Swim and was like, let's do this. Let's do the. They he deserves some credit, but oh, I mean, he is. I've, I've not, okay, so he Dan Harmon is more than just community and Rick and Morty. I don't know his what what was it was like Harmon Town was like Harmon Quest. Harmon Town was a movie a, he made, uh, I think a documentary style film of a tour he did, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that's the one where he like broke up with his long term girlfriend and he just kept it in. But and and she and he's like yeah I'm an asshole and she's like yeah you're an asshole I'm this not putting up with this much more. He and, has uh, this. He's and then g- Harmon Quest is a podcast, podcast. And it started out as like a podcast, and then they started doing like D and D and animating it. Those are fun too. So he is a big big old fat nerd guy. Love it. And I mean fat in his nerdiness, not his physique, because I'm a big guy too. I'm not fat shaming you. Is he a big man? Yeah, like I would say, I'm a big man. Yeah, what six one two? A little extra. (laughs) I have the right body weight for a six five man, but I'm not that tall. You carry it well, John. (laughs) Thanks, buddy. But uh, uh, yeah, there's just there's I could we can just keep talking about Rick and Morty because there's so much more to we there's so much to it. I mean, the first time I watched it, I was so maybe over the last. Four or five years, I'm 27, so maybe since I was like 23 or something, I've been like sort of just as a hobby really fascinated with like basic quantum physics and concepts of like imploding stars and the cosmos and, you know, like God is dead and all this kind of stuff. And then this show happens and it's like, yes, it is just like sort of baseline. It can be viewed as just like baseline sort of dick and ass sort of humor but at the same time like i love how scientific it is i yeah. i just love all of the i mean the entire thing is based off of the concept of multiple timelines which is like a very deep quantum theory but then at the same time i've talked to friends who are like oh i love rick and morty because it's like a show about nothing and it's like super surface level and i'm like well i I don't get that but that's an interesting view on it too because like from episode to episode you can just laugh at every fuck you summer fuck you morty you know every every little joke like that and it's like there's just so much there like some of it can go right over your head or you can hone in on okay chris parnell that dude i have a running theory that 
he is like automatic comedy gold. He's got a funny voice. He has a funny voice. Every show that he does is... I w- okay, so Chris Parnell in this show is Jerry Smith, father of Morty. And he's just like the complete dunce. I mean, it's like super... He, he basically is the straight man. Because he'll yeah. just say things so dumb. Yeah. Because he's so dumb. And Rick just has to be like, you're so fucking dumb. But he, that's what his role was. If you look back at like some of the best SNL skits he did, where he was the straight man, he also does... Um, he's Dr. Spachemin in Dr. Spachemin. He's so good in that, yeah. Uh, remember, you have surgery tomorrow, so don't eat anything beforehand, because I'll have a big <laughs> breakfast waiting for you. <laughs> he just had so many great lines, throwaway lines, Ugh. but he also is on Archer. He he's plays in Archer. Cyril Figgis, and he's definitely the straight man on that. He's just... He does incredulous really well. He shows up in Bob's Burgers, which is mm-hmm. great. I'm I'm I literally think that anything he probably just like catch, catches wind. He's like, oh, these guys are doing something funny. I'm Chris Parnell. I'm gonna call him up and be like, get me a role. I mean, obviously Rick and Morty, he was in from the get go, but I just think that him as like a, he's never the main character of anything. I guess I wouldn't call him the main character in this show. No. But he is... It's called Rick and Morty. It's called Rick and Morty. (laughs) But he's just... I I have a running theory that Chris Parnell is going to show up in anything that I find funny that's coming out new these days. Okay. He's, I think he's hilarious. I think that he's... He might just have a similar sense of humor, so he doesn't sign on projects yeah. unless you would like them also. Yeah, we could Not be, saying he's we doing could that We could be friends. I, I believe it. He <laughs> seems like a nice guy. I could be friends with him. I think I could be friends with H. John Benjamin. Yeah. Though, that dude might just be the weirdest person on the planet. And I don't know if I could be friends with Dan Harmon. I think that he might be too dark for me. I don't think he really has friends. I don't think he's ever going to have anyone close to him his entire life. <laughs> Dan, if you're out there listening... We're here for you, yeah, but we don't have much hope. No, we'll we'll put our <laughs> phone numbers down at the end. You can call us if you're in trouble. I'll put Charlie's phone number. Yeah, down. I'll put down uh, John's address. Okay, that works. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Popeye anytime. Um, no, he doesn't even listen to Rick and Morty stuff, let alone interact with the fans so we're safe from that you piece of shit thank god but (laughs) (laughs) he uh he must be an absolute he must be an absolute atheist because there are some a couple of moments throughout rick and morty well i have a clip of him there's a youtube video that they put out like a year ago and it's just a three minute video but i just have like a last half of the half of it in a clip i'm gonna play and uh, it's they ask him what's the meaning of life in Rick and Morty. Like, what's the meaning of life and what is it for Rick and Morty, kind of. And he gives a great explanation, which I've heard him explain about other characters and just views he has. So this is a good time as any. Ooh. All right, guys. Up. We got some production here, guys. Playing We're like a, a real podcast. So, um, all right. I'm going to pause it so we could talk about it. But uh, I'll just play the first part. So this is him. Does, does, does nothing mean anything, right? Does anything mean nothing? That kind of thing. All right, ready? Let's go. The answer is don't think about it. Do I agree with Rick that nothing means anything? No, I, I do not because the knowledge that nothing matters, while accurate, gets you nowhere. The planet is dying. The sun is exploding. The universe is cooling. Nothing's going to matter. The further back you pull, the more that truth will endure. Okay. So there's more to that, but that's just the first part of the clip I want to talk about. So that's, that's kind of a, 
like optimistic. Like when you hear nihilist, let's just because I said that a few times. Mm-hmm. You know, I my first reaction is in the Big Lebowski when they're they're mm-hmm. fucking nihilist, Donnie. They don't believe in anything, which isn't <laughs> really like that's kind of a boiled down silly version of nihilism. Say what you want about the tenets of national socialism, dude. At least it's an ethos. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Thank you. You're coming back for our Coen Brothers episode. Uh, Big Lebowski is the number one. Okay, well, we'll, let's get through Rick and Morty, and then we're going to just talk about Coen Brothers for the rest of the Nihilism is uh, the belief that nothing matters, and so nothing you do matters, and so nothing you do has any sort of definite... So so I don't know if that's necessarily nihilism, that's the conclusion drawn from nihilism, which is people attribute to the philosophy. The idea is that nothing has a meaning in that, like, there's no secret meaning to this or to the universe, like, God's not testing you. Like you got to make sure you're a good. You're, when you die, you're like the good person pile and your bad person pile because there's some type of scoring matrix. There mm-hmm. isn't. It's just it's just meaningless. Which, uh, because well, I have a friend who's like a big nihilist. He has nihilism tattooed on his arm in giant letters, which I find funny. But whatever, <laughs> we've we've, just, we've debated this because it means so much to him. He got it tattooed on him. I was like, it's yeah. kind of ironic. And then it led to a whole discussion about what it really means. Uh, but. You know, that's like, uh, op- I'd call it optimistic nihilism. I'm sure that has a different meaning. But it's that idea that he just said, well, yeah, nothing means anything. As just as a starting point, that can be useful. But as a conclusion, conclusion it's useless because that doesn't get you anywhere to realize that. But once you realize it, you can go, oh, like I can pick and choose what's important because nothing's important. So then I'm not any ro- more wrong or right if I decide, you know, family's most important or mm-hmm. drug, sex, and alcohol or rock and roll or jazz or whatever it is. Like, so I, I you get that kind of, I feel like it, it, it's liberating in some ways in an intellectual level, but it's got to lead to these pits of despair because you're the only one propping up your worldview at this point. Mm-hmm. It's all on you. So if you're having a bad day or, you know, you're losing confidence in your decisions. It's, there's nothing, there's no bigger framework of, you know, the church or society or, cause you, you, you've, you know, none of that, you don't give a shit about any of that. You've come, you've figured this out for yourself. So I, I and that's where a lot of art and creativity lies. So there's something to that. But uh, what do you think before I've, I play the rest of the clip? I think that, and I'm, you know, I'm not an academic. I'm just a, just a fucking guy reading and learning and whatever. But I think that what you're explaining that's a big beer. Um, <laughs> is sort of paralleling a concept that I sort of... A, okay, so I think of existentialism as a philosophy as almost that sort of brother to nihilism where it's like... And if you're an existentialist, you realize that like, in a sense, your day-to-day activities do not matter because you're on a small rock rotating around a tiny sun, rotating around a tiny galaxy in a universe that's expanding every second. But that doesn't mean that you still cannot be a good person to the common man. And so I feel like maybe... But see, that's you can decide that mm-hmm. because you're not wrong because you're also not right. If there is no right answer, then whatever you decide, as long as you decide it, it's right, which is exactly. kind of great. You can still be good. That's why there's so many upbeat atheists out there because they're like, oh, there's not this omnipresent God that's like 
judging me constantly. And if there is a God, he probably doesn't give a shit about me. It's kind of liberating. I can decide to be a good person. I can really enjoy being a good person. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's you, know, you, you know, remember when you used to do chores so your parents would notice because you were trying to get them to get you something or a toy or something. So you tried to go out. Like, that's a lot different than just, like, now as an adult, just cleaning the house because you feel no one's telling you to. Yeah. Like you could live in squalor if you want. I do from time to time, but it's it's nice to just do those things for yourself and decide that you want, you know. Because, you know what, John, say you do live in squalor and say, you know, at the end of the day, you, you know, you die because you're living in squalor and then your mailman finds you. It doesn't, that doesn't really matter though. Yeah. But it doesn't mean that you can't still not live in squalor and still, you know, do the dishes to make your wife happy, et cetera, et cetera, because you are still here on this planet. You yeah. know, your your own life can have some meaning, even though on the cosmic scale, it doesn't have any meaning. Yeah, you can do the dishes because you know it'll make her happy, or you can do the dishes because you know it'll keep her from annoying you. Mm-hmm. And either way, you get to decide why you're doing it, right? Yeah. So that that's pretty cool. So. Even though that's comforting to me, it's like a nice warm blanket. It is right. But if you choose not to do the dishes, we're still rotating around the sun. (laughs) That's true. (laughs) Yeah, the the world's still spinning. I like that idea. But I, yeah, I find, uh, yeah, I find it relaxing. You know, I do too. But let's let's hear the rest of the. All right, so let's go into the rest of the clip. Um, So actually, we're almost to it. So I'm just gonna play right where it left off. But when you zoom in on Earth, when you zoom into a family, when you zoom into a human brain and a childhood and experience, you see all these things that matter. We have this fleeting chance to participate in an illusion called, I love my girlfriend, I love my dog. How is that not better? It's a real treat to be raised by parents that force themselves to be together instead of being happy. Knowing the truth, which is that nothing matters, can actually save you in those moments. Nobody exists on purpose. Nobody belongs anywhere. Everybody's going to die. Come watch TV. Once you get through that terrifying So, so that is uh, one of my favorite lines in the series. And that's right after they, Cronenberg, they leave. So they ruin their planet. They, mm-hmm. Irrecably. Irre, 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 oh, man, hold on. Irrecoverably. I can't do it. Down, down south, we call it foobar in it. Foobar in it? Yeah. That's, fucked up beyond repair. No, I, I've heard that expression. I just they, it's, they it's a lot easier to say. Irrecoverably, irrecoverably, irrecoverably. Fubar. I'm so glad Joe's not listening. He does the thunk tank. Joe and Luke with us. If Joe was here, he would give me such a hard time. He's the writer for me not being able to say this word I've said correctly before. We're gonna move on though, <laughs> just because I know they wouldn't let me move on if they were here, and they're gonna be angry hearing it. So. Um, what was I saying before I couldn't uh, pronounce a uh, word? They just foobarred the Cronenberg world. Oh, so yeah, they just, beyond salvation, like everybody on the planet, except for their immediate family, are these grotesque monsters, and they're all sexually attracted to Morty. Rick and Morty, and mm-hmm. they want to eat him after they have sex with him. So really un- unsustainable. You can't live there. And what we're talking Sounds about with existentialism, though. you can't just live your life the way you want in that world, right? <laughs> you, you, lose, you lose some choices. So they jump to another world and then it's later in that season we said they bury them in the backyard it's later in that season summer uh they have these vr goggles and they can see the different oh. timelines oh my god so interdimensional it's television it's basically like the portal gun without the traveling so you can just kind of peek voyeuristically in on the different uh dimensions that mm-hmm. you know 
and one of them and, and all none of them seem all of them summer's either playing boggle with them or doesn't exist because <laughs> she is a part she is one tangent of a bad decision they made yeah so that like upsets her and morty's trying to explain that like nothing means anything like i don't even you're not even my real sister my real sister i abandoned on some world she could be dead for all i know but you know, nothing means anything. So just come watch TV. We can decide spending time together watching TV is what matters because there's nothing above that that we should be aiming for. We have to reach for. And that that is great. So there's that, that just, is great, man. It's just another like 10 seconds. So let me go back a little bit and then go. Once you get through that terrifying threshold of accepting that, then every place is the center of the universe and every moment is the most important moment and everything is the meaning of life. So it's the genius police. And I just left that in there because there are sirens outside of his interview and he said they're coming to get him because he's a genius. Mm -hmm. That he does smar me well when he wants to, but, um, but yeah, I just I just love that sentiment. I think it gets his like I, I that's what I got from his writing on community and on his other stuff and on Rick and Morty is that you know, you have more because no there no one has control over anything, you have a lot more control over your own life than you think. I I love it. I I'm So for all you surface level bitches out there that think it's just a fun show about farts. Yeah, come on now. Come on now. See, you can really dive down, but this brings me to another thing I wanted to cover, which is Rick and Morty fans kind of have a bad reputation as these uh, you're not smart enough to get it kind of people. You know, uh, the I am very smart type people online. Yeah. Uh, we call them trolls. Yeah. <laughs> I de- hopefully they're trolls, right? But there's got to be a lot of them that genuinely like I just I'm surrounded by idiots. You guys, uh, you guys can't even laugh at the same. You can't enjoy Rick and Morty in the same yeah. level. Do I you can. get that joke. Do you need me to explain that joke to you? And it's not so much not getting it or getting it. It's that the needing to point out. Did, did you get that? I got it. Mm-hmm. Did you get it? Because if you didn't, you know that I did now. But did you get it? Did you get the other joke that that was, you know, did you get the yeah, both? Yeah. And, and there really is kind of a, a bad reputation. It's somewhat well-earned for Rick and Morty fans online. But uh, hey, all you Rick and Morty fans out there, be better. Okay, it can be funny to anybody. It's TV fourteen. It can be funny <laughs> to a fourteen year old. That's right. You know, if you were fifteen, well, probably a bunch of them are these fifteen year olds that think they're geniuses because they're they have the best score in their AP class yeah, or quit something. Quit playing Fortnite. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm still not sure what it is exactly, but I, I don't like it. No, that's how I know I'm getting old. What are you talking about Fortnite? Yeah, <laughs> I, was at, I was at a wedding and I didn't know any of the songs they put on except for like the Michael Jackson and Stevie Wonder stuff. Every every other song, I'd be like, "What is this?" And they'd be like, "It's so and so. It's all over the radio." And I'm like, "Oh, I guess I'm old." Rick and Morty is highbrow, but you know what? It's not highbrow for you to point it out to people. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. We all get parallel timelines. We get it. <laughs> Yeah, if you grew if you grew up in the end of the twentieth century, twenty first beginning of the twenty first century in the West, you get it. You know what you know what they're doing with time travel. Like it's been redone so many times. But that's why I, I I feel like I'm in the maybe in the the less and I'm the lower percentile. Man, I I have sometimes I have to be like, hey, Alex, will you explain that to me? <laughs> oh yeah, I'm I'm married to a scientist. That yeah. happens to me all the time. But then every now and then she'll do something so egregious it makes me feel better. <laughs> like the, were you there when we talking? She was telling the hospital story. Yeah, you are. She she's she's at for work or something. She's 
near a hospital. I don't, or I forget where, but it was an office building. And she just offhanded, this guy was showing her where to find some records. And she's like, yeah, he took me down into the anals of the building. The anals. And I think you were there. Were you not there? But me, Scott, Scott, and someone else, we all looked at each other and she kept going with the story. And I was like, it's, it's annals. It's the annals of it, not the annals. She's like, no, it's annals. I'm like, it's, it's definitely not. Can you stop yelling annals at the bar? No, you're it's screaming. annals. Like, you know, the, the, back, the downstairs of the building. <laughs> the back end of <laughs> that, it. That stinky back entrance <laughs> to the building. Um, yeah, so, so every now and then something like that will happen and I'll feel better. But most of the time, it's the other way around. Uh, that's great. I, I used to think the same thing, jumping back and forth about community where it was I, I mean and I, I just finished rewatching it it is like more so a pretty surface level primetime TV sitcom but I you can also just grab so much from it you know it's like I love all like okay so the paintball episode which like, one I I <laughs> <laughs> they did four I think I I am a huge fan of the first one. I'm a I'm a huge fan of it because like so the paintball episode is an episode that's like the last episode of the season. It's a finale and it's pretty much it's the kind of thing you always thought about in high school. Wouldn't it be so cool if we could get like a school-wide paintball, airsoft, whatever kind of game, but like in the school which everyone's been bored in school, college, it's high like school, so whatever. Daydreamy. And yeah, and you think about that, about like, you know, having a water gun fight or like, oh, when you walk around a corner, maybe it's just a, a guy thing because boys are. They brain, wanders. It wanders. It wanders like that. And we're militaristic minded to begin with in general. You know, we want to hit each other with sticks. But yeah, you know, I remember there's one area of my school where there was like a staircase thing. And I was like, oh man, that'd be so fun to try to defend that in like, a, <laughs> you know, a paintball style game. So yeah, it was, it was just perfect. But um, it, it's that it's, it's, it's episodes like the paintball episode and this episode's like the pillow fort episode and it's episodes like the claim and it's stuff like that where it's like, you can take it for, Oh, this is just a funny episode about paintball. But then also you can like look at it and it's like, Dan Harmon is trying sort of, he's kind of trying to get into humanity a bit about it. It's like how immediate will people just be become fucking cutthroat and shoot you in the back with a paintball gun just so they can then get free tuition or well, no, it's a, it's, it's a, priority registration. Yeah, <laughs> But that's, what's great is it's the idea. The only way that game would be fun is if everyone cared as much as you, right? Yeah. And, and so they, they, they get a campus wide paintball game. The last person that doesn't get, if you get any paint on you, you're out. And the last person without paint on them got priority registration, which they could pick their classes. And Jeff says, agree. He goes, I, he's, what does he say? He says, uh, I could do all, put all my classes on a Monday and Tuesday and have a five day weekend. And they're like, calm down now. And he's already thinking of turning on his friends immediately. For that. Immediately. And, uh, and, uh, it, they do it a few more times, but, um, yeah, like that's just, it is both. It is both service level. Like, Oh, this is also just an interesting episode about paintball and it's funny and different and humorous. But at the same time, he's also like, yeah, people are fucking conniving, and they will... But then they, they end up being good. They end up they working to together Shirley. to give it to Shirley, because she's the only one with kids, and she's a single mom, and she's like... Because they all want it for selfish reasons, right? Mm-hmm. I could have an easier schedule. I could work around it. I could 
you know, get all my courses that I need done and or I could just do all blow off classes. And she's like, I would be able to see my children. And they're like, okay, that's a way better reason. But they also, they revisit it. They have another paintball. Abed does the lava game one, which oh. also had a deep, that one was heartbreaking. Didn't want to let his friend leave. And that was, yeah. And that was when uh, Donald Glover, we haven't even discussed Donald Glover yet. Who's like, we'll get there. Who's the Renaissance <laughs> man of the show. Like a once in a, in a, uh, a generation performer that comes oh along and can gracious. do whatever the hell he wants. Um, but we'll get, we'll get to it in a minute. Let's just talk about Troy and Abed and, and in, within the Troy show. Troy and Abed in the morning. Uh, <laughs> at the end, we have to record a John and Charlie in the basement or something like to, for the intro. Let's practice okay? it. One, two, three. John, John and, and Charlie, Charlie in the basement. basement. That was okay. That's not bad. That wasn't bad for a first take. Uh, at Childish Gambino. At, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, share, and subscribe. Uh, I, I like it. I just... I, that's that's Dan Harbin doing his. I'm gonna drag you along. I'm gonna make you think that we all hate each other, and then I'm gonna give you that little rainbow. I'm gonna make you believe that you can put purpose on something. He loves that. He mm-hmm. wants you. He wants you to think that he thinks that he, he wants you to think that he's like, like a cold fucking robot. So the first paintball episode is great because they go through all of that, and Jeff is goes full diehard. There's a lot of parallels to Die Hard in it, including like the taped gun to his back and the ripped mm-hmm. T-shirt with like mm-hmm. this inexplicably dirty. I mean, he's I, so handsome though. He, well, that's what the great joke is in that show. He's kind of odd looking. He's very big, very tall. He's got he's tall. He's got kind of a huge forehead, and like it, I just love that they chose him as like the heartthrob because and maybe. Because he's like real world hot, you know? He's yeah. not Hollywood hot, but he's like real world in your community college Spanish 101 <laughs> he class. Co- he's probably guy. the most attractive guy in the class. No offense to you taking community college. That's the only amount of college I got, but I definitely wasn't the most attractive guy in the room. Mm. But that wasn't that hard of a position to get either. Anyways. <laughs> well, you did marry a doctor, so. I lucked. Well, I tricked her into it. She wasn't a doctor when we got married. So. <laughs> yeah, lock that down, folks. Before that <laughs> there d- diploma is. comes out. All you guys uh, and gals putting your significant others through med school, lock it down. Lock it down. Lock it down. Right? <laughs> and then they get so used to you, they don't even know how to function without you. They got those science brains, then then they can't go Boom. Eat. Then you got them. We got her. She's out there eating guacamole yeah. right now. She's, yeah, right? <laughs> to watching the dogs eating guac. Like, I'm down here having fun with, with Charlie. Yeah, we're talking about Rick and Morty. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't tell her to listen to this episode. I don't want her to figure out my strategy, though. Hopefully she skips <laughs> this one. Oh, okay. Let's 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 dedicate a little bit of time to the lava episode. The lava game, yeah, yeah. We can, because that's a big moment. In <clears throat> like, I do appreciate, like you mentioned earlier, how through the basic sitcom sort of format, he does put character development at the forefront. Like, it comes in places where you don't know, necessarily notice it, but it's not like like you can literally. I mean, you can watch. 150 episodes of Seinfeld, nothing changes. And that's the premise of the show. It is a show about nothing. You know, friends, I guess. Is we refer you to our Seincast episodes. If you, you have that? Know. Oh. We've done episodes on Seinfeld. Man, I'm getting if you want the game late, man. Yeah, that's all right. <laughs> You're here now. That's all that matters. Yeah, we'll put a link in the bottom. But, but we, we, co- we cover that. But yeah, he will. When you have a sitcom, you have time to develop characters. It's, we have time to tell the story. Like, that's not the problem. Some shows, like uh, Larry David from Seinfeld, when he got re- he signed for the pilot and then 10 episodes, and then they ordered like a full 27-episode season, he was annoyed and upset. Mm-hmm. He's like, I can't. I'm already out of ideas after 10. How am I going to do like 
you know, like I just, I can't fill the time with enough stories about nothing. And that's a problem in any, right? Any TV show when they order like 20 something episodes, but you, you have time to develop the characters too. And most shows don't, they just skip that part. Mm hmm. And they, you know, they just go back to what the character, they establish the character before they ever air, and then they just keep going back to that well, whereas you get to see them change on screen with better writers like Harmon and his team. But So the Floor is Lava episode in Community is Troy and Abed, best friends. Abed, as a, Troy's leaving Community College. He's leaving the show, and they write it in, they write it in pretty well, uh, but the, the premise is, as a goodbye present to Troy, Abed decides to do a school-wide, and I love that immediately the entire school's on board. They're like, ah, fuck it. Because they've done it. it before. They've done they paintball. Did pillows, they, they know, the, they know how it goes in this school, yeah. <laughs> so he, knowing, because he's, Troy and Abed are like freshmen, sophomores in college with just the most vivid imaginations. Like, it, it's just an amazing thing to see how quick it turns on, but... He does a floor is lava, like goodbye, Troy. Floor is lava, knowing that's like this is my last way to keep my best friend here. I'm this weird, socially inept, autistic kid, and I don't know how to say goodbye. So I'm going to try as hard as I can not to. Well, what's great about their relationship is going into it, Troy Abed was the more mature one, more developed one out of the two of them, just because he was so smart and spent so much time thinking and trying to make sense of the world. Whereas Troy's character is the high school star football mm. quarterback athlete, doesn't really ever have to be introspective. He's eighteen and he's you know things a star were given his, to him. Yeah. yeah, he's a star in his world. And also, I love how in the show, just like in his real life, he's, his character is raised Jehovah's Witness. Yes, which Donald Glover was also raised Jehovah's Witness. Yep. He's no birthday parties, no Christmas, no blood transfusions, whatever other weird bullshit goes along with being a. Well, no blood transfusions. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a thing. They they refuse treatment because of some bullshit rules and yeah. some books. They which, don't know that's the good stuff. I never understood it. The Jehovah's Witness in my hometown used to have a solar panels on their roof, which I was like, so you'll use science for that, but not to like cure cancer. Like, you guys are really cherry picking here, and I don't think you're doing it right. But anyway. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you get Troy's this kind of sheltered, non-introspective guy, and you find out like he went to community college because he injured his shoulder doing a keg stand, and he lost his football scholarship. So he just went to the community college near him because that was you know the fallback. And then you find out like seasons later that he faked the injury. They do a flashback, and he faked it because he didn't want to play football. He didn't want that pressure. He didn't know what he wanted out of life yet. And you know Abed just wants to sit around and watch TV and. Analyze it. Analyze it and project it onto the real world. Yeah, find the parallels. And uh, and for Troy, that was like that's what he went to college for was to figure shit out. And like they forced, they try to force him into the air conditioning repair school, which we're gonna get into God. that too. Versus being a there plumber. So much. And uh, <laughs> and he uh, you know he 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 thinks that you know I got to choose one or the other. It's gonna ruin my whole life if I don't make the decision now. And he kind of realizes that's what he felt like in high school or whatever. And he decides for now I'm just gonna watch TV with my friend because that's what and that's what I want to do. And it's not until Levar, until Pierce, Chevy Chase's character. So the way he gets written off the show, because uh, Donald Glover was done with the show. He didn't want to be on it anymore. He asked to be written off. I think it was, and this is just Hollywood hearsay, but it's equal parts. Uh, Chevy Chase is like actually a racist and a piece of shit, allegedly. But I also think that his mixtape just like popped off, and he was like well, about to go on tour as Childish Gambino. Yeah. I 
he wanted to become a rapper and was I like, think he well I mean he he was a writer for 30 Rock, 30 Rock before at like 18 before mm-hmm. he got community like he was an established comedy writer and then they found out he could act he did stand up and he can sing like he really can do a bunch of different shit so it's like why are you still like he made enough money off the first however many seasons of community is like you're a young guy like you 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 can't need this paycheck right now he you're says it in star. an interview he just and in yeah they I shouldn't just throw Chevy Chase under the bus. I apologize. I mean, he's an established asshole. I don't know about the racism thing, but he is like legendary for being a dick to people. Right. And I think Donald Glover was just like, he says in an interview I, I watched, he was like, they tried to like put him in that corner. Like, what? he's like, no, I just wanted to do something else. I'm, I'm talented yeah. at so many things. I just wanted to move on to something else. And I believe that a lot of people say that when they get shit canned mm-hmm. <laughs> specifically, not just in, Oh, he in, he walked media, away from but, that show. But yeah, he and some people when they walk away, they try to justify it when really it was a huge mistake. Like um, Darren from Bewitched, that's the famous one. You ever watch that show Bewitched from back in the day? Uh, is that with uh, the little cat that talks to people? That's Sabrina. No, that's Sabrina. Bewitched is from like the 60s or whatever. Uh, the guy marries his, his wife. He doesn't realize she's a witch till they get married. And then it's just like, oh, my wife and her witch of a mother-in-law. But she's like, so it's mostly those jokes, mother-in-law jokes. But she's, an, but she's actually a witch that could do magic by like wiggling her nose or whatever it was. I think that was Bewitched, right? Was that I, I Dream of Genie? That's I, I Dream of Genie. No, I think it was Bewitched. I think Igina Genie was the okay. head bump. Yeah, yeah. No, it was. <laughs> she wiggled her nose and she could cast spells and shit. But um, why did I start talking about? Oh, Darren. so Darren. After season one, the show was a hit. Darren got all full of himself and started like demanding they rewrite his scenes and give him more money. And they're like, yeah, you're done here. She's the star. And they just brought in another actor and called him Darren. It's obviously a different guy. And they've done it a few times. It happened with JJ and Good Times. Dynamite. Remember that guy? He he got boom. He. No, <laughs> <laughs> also good but he uh he he also got too full of himself I'm like you can go then we don't need to do the show without we can do the show without you and he's like yeah i'll be fine and then they try to come back and like, i don't get the, i don't believe that with donald glover oh no he but so the character troy when for whatever reason donald glover wants to be written off the character troy when he the way he leaves the show is pierce's character chevy chase's character is this crazy old rich guy who has no friends or family so he just keeps taking classes at this community college because it's human interaction for him, which isn't that crazy of a character when you know it's pretty normal a lot of people join those things for the community of it he's anyways a, he's, he's also the uh he plays the old rich white man trope on the show he does crazy old white man says or whatever he says uh, that's a twitter <laughs> that's account a that troy starts right <laughs> he um, but yeah the way that that troy leaves the show is when when uh when pierce dies and he's a part of some weird fucking religious cult in the show. I can't. Oh, remember I forget. What it's it's like something Buddhist. The something. Buddhist butterfly level. Something. Yeah, I'm like a uh, level seven lotus or Ooh, something. Lotus. Buddhist. <laughs> but it's clearly a cult that's like designed to rip, rip off it's rich like, people. Yeah, it's like let's make fun of Christian. Let's make fun of Scientology and Mormonism combined. Kind of. Yeah. <laughs> but when he dies, he leaves his sailboat to Troy and. With uh, stipulations, millions and millions of dollars of wealth, and the stipulation is you have to become a man by sailing around the world in the sailboat by yourself. Or, wait. No, no, he, he, takes, he has to circle the world in his sailboat, but he, with LeVar, LeVar Burton. Burton. <laughs> because LeVar Burton is Troy's hero. And he's deathly terrible. I never want 
wanted to meet him. Just a picture. Yeah. So whenever he's like in the show, it was his favorite person ever. And he tells Pierce this. And so Pierce tortures him by bringing him around. And Troy just locks up like he can't handle it. Like fight, flight or fight, fight or flight. There's a third option to just freeze in terror. Like that's what Troy would do every time. LeVar Burton was in the room. He can just stare at him <laughs> wide-eyed like he was trying to kill him. I love this. And scenes. so it, it seems mean but on the outside, but I think that was Pierce trying to be like a good person, trying to help Troy's character. Because like, you know, you need to learn to overcome these things. And part of being a man is is, you know, recognizing your heroes as people, right? And mm-hmm. having the confidence to mm-hmm. see them as an equal in the world. And uh and he does. Finally, when he leaves and he has a, a dramatic goodbye, uh, LeVar says something like, are you going to be weird this time? He's like, no. And it's Captain Troy. Let's get the lead out, Burton. <laughs> and like starts ordering him around. And it's, it's like, Captain so you, Troy. you see the growth that character has had from the last time LeVar was there, which was like a few seasons before. Mm-hmm. Um, and and he, he, he goes on the trip. And as far as we know, he makes it. The show ends before we find out. I do love what Pierce said. At, I wish I did it and didn't cheat because his dad offered him the same deal when he was young, mm-hmm. and he yeah, didn't take the it. Whole thing. And he, he said, "I cheated. I, I, I. What is it? I, I just hung out off the coast of Belize for a year and did coke with John Denver, <laughs> <laughs> which sounds awesome too. That's not bad in the seventies or whenever it was. Like that sounds like a great time. But yeah, circling, circumnavigating the world would have been a lot cooler." With LeVar Burton. And like, uh, I love that like his dad gave him the option clearly and he chose John Denver and they just fucked off and Troy's option is clearly LeVar Burton, which is, is great. I mean, you need a chief engineer if you're going to serve. Yes, you do. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, okay. Well, um, that's also one of the best lines in the show when he does meet Troy and he's trying to eat a meal with him and he just starts singing the reading rainbow song to him thinking it would help get through to him because he hasn't spoken and he just yeah cries and runs out of the room and you remember what LeVar Burton says he just shrugs his head and goes more fish for Kunta and starts eating off of Troy's plate like it's just the writing is so good I love LeVar too that he, he he'll go on and make those jokes more fish for Kunta that's <laughs> tough and like he just shrugs like okay and like there's no one in the room he's just saying it to himself I, I don't know if it uh, it's, it doesn't look good for my bubbly white privilege, but before that moment in that show, I did not know that LeVar Burton was Kunta Kinte. You never saw Roots? It aired way before our time. I never be saw Roots. Was that pre-STNG or post? Oh, wait, way before. That was in the 70s, I think. So he was Kunta. That was like his first role. He, oh, was, okay. he was young. Um, More fish for Kunta? <laughs> Um, we could talk about Roots another, t- but it's great. It'd be a one side it, conversation. It, it's, the, it's the first like mini series they showed in order. They used to show the when they did like mini series got big in the seventies, and they would show like one episode a week or a month or something for six weeks or whatever until it was over. And since it was you know a story about slavery and all that told from the slaves' point of view, the studios weren't convinced that America would like it, so they like, just show it all in a row that way. If they hate it, we get it rid of it in this one block of entertainment. Jam it in there. Jam it in. So they showed it over the course of like seven or eight nights or something. So it was every night, and it was the first like so it was one of the early like binged shows because people saw an episode and like oh my god when's the next part tomorrow and so people just tuned and it was an amazing thing. But we'll we'll talk about Roots another time. Hey uh, hey podcast world, I need a beer. <clears throat> oh shit! We do need a beer. We need this, um, this is a, this is a, a beer drinking ceremony I'm, first and foremost. So. I'm gonna pause and then we're gonna start off with a beer. 
And we're back. Okay. And we're back. Or we'll edit it into seamless perfection. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I don't know how to do that. That's yeah, fine. And we're back. <laughs> and we're back. Um, so, oh shit, I left the can over there. What, what, what kind of, describe the beer I just poured. This beer is wet. This beer is carbonated. <laughs> this beer is Aslan, which I believe is a Virginia brewery. See, you know, you know beer. Yeah, my buddy Spencer, Spencer Soden, he's never listening. He's too cool for podcasts these days, but he's a big snob. I think he brought some of this shit home. This beer is a hazy Herndon, Virginia. This is. An, I, would you call this New England style? I just say it's hazy and fruity, and probably a, maybe it's filtered. I would say unfiltered. Uh, definitely unfiltered, I would guess. But yeah. um, New England to me is very specific type of hazy. Like yeah, hazy is more broad. It's like lager is broad, and then Pilsner yeah. specific lager. That's how I feel with hazy. Yeah, this uh, just this it's a double like IPA, a- double dry hopped, a DDH bitch. Uh, double IPA, eight percent alcohol. <laughs> DDH, motherfucker. They don't tell you what hops they throw in this one, uh, which I kind of like. Right? Fuck us. They're the ones making <laughs> it. Just do you like it or not? Drink it. You know. It's uh, good. It's um, juicy. It is juicy with two O's. Juicy it has a. I would look at the can before I look. I would hedge my bet to say over. Let's go over under an IBUs. What do you got? I don't think it's listed on there, but I would go low. I'd go like 20, 30. This motherfucker says 20 or 30. And it's, here it is, everybody, not listed. (laughs) (laughs) Great. All right, well. That's okay. We'll just go with what I said then. Yeah, it's got a certain, I mean, for all of you listening out there, you know we just came from a real banger of an imperial stout. Uh, this feels refreshing in a way. Almost, it's only two percent less alcohol than the stout, but it's so much lighter. It it's going to go down barrel. a lot quicker. So watch out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, the second hour is usually when things go off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> so we used to call it being derailed and rerailing, and then I learned. Uh, I forget where. I think it's Thailand or one of those countries over there uh, with like old, <laughs> old imperial infrastructure, I mean. Oh, okay. And uh, they <laughs> get they, those they, they, It might have been Cambodia, but they get so many derailments that they just call it a rail slip, which sounds so much better than a derailment because you're on the rails and then you're off the rails. That's why it's a derailing. Derailment. Are we talking about like our, our, our conversation is going to derail? It's, it's going to, well, it depends. A derailment is where, in my mind, is where the train is just Yeah, off. we might just slip up. We might do slip. a little a little rail slip. <laughs> you know, doesn't that sound better, rail slip? You might yeah. get back on the track. You know, it we'll sounds see. like a... Uh, like a drug's gone wrong. I mean, we've been slipping since we came back with the beers. Right. I forgot what we were even talking about. It doesn't matter. We're starting fresh. Um, <laughs> you know... Hashtag Aslan Brewery, plug in it. Yeah, yeah. Let's do another beer segment then. Let's talk about beer a little. When did you get into craft beer? Craft beer, Mister Humphs. Yeah, Miss. I man, I remember a time where I thought Yingling was craft beer. Which I mean, they say country's oldest microbrewery or, or fucking independent brewery or whatever. But I really started getting into it. Probably see. I was I, I moved here from Asheville, and so the three years previous to that, like, where are you from originally? Greensboro. You're so you're from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Okay. Born and raised, never left. Uh, 
living wise, I've traveled a bit, but 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 when I was living in Asheville, oh, don't mention this town. Nobody actually knows where we're located. We just tell them it's one of the Carolinas. Oh yeah, we're in a Carolina. Yeah, keep it vague. Keep the admirers away. They all know Asheville. I was there, and just as I started living there, as I was living there, literally the minor league baseball team became beer city tourists so like craft beer was the entire the name of the team yeah they were the tourists now they're which they were the tourists now they're the beer city tourists so like literally as i was there going out to bars or whatever i just became completely inundated with with craft beer and i was like like so Asheville, north carolina is sort of a beer mecca for anyone that's not from this area that doesn't realize there's you've got wicked weed in your grocery store somewhere it's a small city but there's only a couple hundred thousand people living there, right? Less, probably. And there's like 30, per capita, I think it has more breweries than anywhere else on the East Coast. Yes. For a city its size. And some really good breweries are based Sierra out Nevada. There. Sierra Nevada, Burial. Burial. Uh, Wicked Weed. Wicked which Weed, New Belgium. New Belgium. You know, these are brands, national, international brands, and then some better, also some better, uh, some smaller regional I craft. I saw you had one of those uh, Into the Woods up in the fridge there. That's a good, that's that Sierra Nevada's. Um, oh, I do. That bomber. I, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. a good one. I got to show Charlie my beer collection. I have quite a few beers in the fridge. It's a, a stout collection. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> what ends up happening is me and the missus, try to share all the beers that we get, mm-hmm. anything that's good or fancy. Oh, I love that. So when we get, but we have very different schedules. So whenever we get time together, we end up being like, well, we got to drink these hazy, juicy beers or the whatever. They're going to go bad soon. They're going to lo- go off. But stouts, you can age for a year or so. It wasn't intentional, but we've built up like over, we have like a full case of like imperial stouts from all different breweries, at least probably have about 15, 20 different, not to mention the cases of stouts I bought and cellared. I'll show you those later. Ooh, but um, damn. So yeah, so beer mecca over here. There's a lot of beer going on, but uh, Asheville is kind of a special thing. It's it, that's it's kind of ahead of the the craft beer explosion a little bit, right? and that's where I, I mean, I, that's where I was like, oh, what the fuck is an IPA? It's this, and then you go to you could walk across the street to a different microbrewery, and they're like, this is an IPA. What the fuck is an ESB? It's this, and it's like that's where I really got into it, and. I, you know, I think that people can attach themselves to anything, but I have I wouldn't say I've attached myself to the, to the beer thing. I'm not nearly as serious a beer guy as you, but very serious. About very, it. you are. <laughs> I'm pretty. I'm pretty jovial and jocular about it. Yeah, I mean, but y- you've got a collection, but you seem humble. <laughs> as long as I seem humble, yeah, that's what I'm going for. Uh, after I this, still want the acclaim. After this, Aslan. Uh, it's a very juicy, very hazy, easy to drink, but a little hashtag doozy. haze craze. Hashtag haze craze. Uh, where I want to try one of yours. Okay, I want a little John beer. Well, I gave you a little before. I know I want uh, a little bit more. You want to sip on one? Sure. Yeah, yeah. I have an, uh, a hazy IPA. It's not a New England, but it, it it's unintentionally hazy. Homebrew just turns out hazy often because what in what is something that's an interesting thing too. Like I love thinking about that as self as a flavor description like you can try something and you can be like well it tastes like a homebrew yeah you know like that's what about that is it like 
well, John just doesn't have. I'm just using your name as just a filler. No, go ahead, throw that shade. (laughs) I'm ready. John just doesn't have the world's cleanest lines, or maybe he doesn't filter his water perfectly, or maybe it's just you taste something that you know is going to, like, oh, I'll taste this IPA, and then I know if he makes the same thing next time, it's going to taste different just because of the variables. But, like, you know, I've I've had someone's, sometimes I walk into a brewery, and I'm like, oh, yeah, that would be good for a homebrew. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I've I've gone to breweries where you're like, this would be a great homebrew. I would not pay for it, but this is a great homebrew. And then I've been to, I've had homebrew where I've been like, I would pay for this. What, what do you think is that? What is the, the, this is a homebrew flavor. What is that? What is that? So it's, it's, it's all about levels of control. Yes. You know, there's a reason that McDonald's tastes the same everywhere in the world or Bud Light tastes the same everywhere in the world at any given moment, no matter how far you are from the source. Like that consistency is even amongst craft brewers. Like that's impressive. Mm -hmm. They're making shitty beer, but it's impressive that they it can make exactly it so consistent. Exactly. Yeah, you got to give them credit to that. So in beer, there's so many variables, but the biggest one is fermentation. A lot of a lot of people don't, even breweries don't take it that seriously. They put a lot of effort into the malt, what kind of hops we're going to use, and they just throw the fucking yeast in and let it do whatever. But um, that is because if I take a batch of beer, when I boil the wort, this is before it's beer, it's really sugary wort, no alcohol, the sugars get turned into alcohol. I can take a batch of wort and put it in 10 buckets with 10 different yeast strains, and you're going to get 10 different beers out of it if the yeasts are different enough because you get so much from fermentation. So a lot of brewer, home brewers specifically will put a lot of work into what kind of hops I want, this or that, and then they just throw whatever yeast they, the local homebrew store had because they all carry pretty much the same three brands. Um, and they kind of just throw whatever yeast in and leave it in a closet. Well, your house is at a pretty consistent temperature year-round, right? So that's the temperature your yeast is at. You can't, you're not going to get a lager at that. You're not going to get a really good saison if your house is too cold. So that's what that chest freezer upstairs is for that I have. Mm-hmm. Is so, you have yeast in the freezer. No, no, no. That is my temperature your- controller. So... I have a controller. It's not just a freezer running at negative whatever or running at zero oh, degrees. I have a controller, so depend- and it's got a probe in the beer. So if the yeast, because yeast will move and create body heat the way like a, a busy bar gets hot. Sure. It's just the body's moving. So if you don't pull that heat off, you get these nasty off flavors, these like kind of gross solventy rubbing alcohol, nail polishy. And you get that in homebrew a lot. And you can get that in, in brewery beers if they aren't taking good care of their beer, which is really egregious and upsetting. But uh, a lot of it's just process. And unfortunately, my beers aren't the same every time. I don't have that level of control and consistency. But I've repeated recipes that turn out the same. That's always exciting. Um, but yeah, we can do homebrew. We'll do a homebrew after this, and we'll talk about homebrew a little bit. We will. But let's, let's get back to it. We were talking about... So I have a Rick and Morty fan theory for you I want to throw at you. Uh, one of the theories is that Rick and Morty are the same person. Hmm. That Rick is just an older Morty. Hmm. And that's why he is at the same time super patient with Morty and like helpful when he doesn't care about like the universe, but he'll... Like he won't he won't go out of his way to save the universe, but he'll sacrifice his own life to save Morty sometimes. Other times he won't though. But and then you know, at other times he just gets so angry or fed up with how dumb Morty can be, and it's because he's getting angry with himself. How do you feel about that theory? Rick and Morty being the same person. I 
I don't know if I can conceptualize it in the sense that like a, a, a common theme throughout the show is Rick has Morty with him because Morty is so stupid that he masks Rick's intelligence so he can his brain waves can't be tracked by the uh, the, what, the, the, the the government the or government what? the Universal Federation. Or but do you believe that? I think it's more so that he can't get exposed as like a rogue Rick if he has a Morty. He just, there's so many timelines. How many timelines is just a Rick, just a Morty? Or most of them are probably Rick and Morty. So if he keeps a Morty around, I think the, there's signal loss there. Uh, I, it's an interesting theory. But that's not what he says. You're I'm right. not chewing in on it. Rick and Morty are not the same. They have distinct differences philosophically, uh, morally. I don't. I like them as a as a pair. I like them as a duo. They're not like a classic Batman and Robin type, but like, I, I can't. I just can't. Fa- I can't just figure them being the same because so clearly, is he, is Morty not Summer's brother and Beth's son? Yeah, but at some point, maybe in his future, he goes, you know, back in time or something, or goes into, you know. Some point, maybe he travels to the future where he learns all his Rick knowledge, and he comes back as an old man. So you never really see young Rick except in his own flashbacks. So you don't know what he's been doing between when he left. They don't even really tell you what happens when he left his daughter. No, and when he comes back into her life, there's like a, so. Summers in high school, right? So there's at mm-hmm. least that much of a gap. Do you think that? Th- do you think they're going to get into a Rick backstory? Do you think yes. that's something that's coming? I do. That's interesting. Just based on the, the level of evolution in community, I don't see why he wouldn't do that with Rick and Morty. Especially because Rick and Morty is done through Adult Swim, which is a much, uh, much let's say, less involved than a big network like NBC would be in a showrunner's decisions. First of all, it's animation. So if you really want to do something, like budget-wise, it's, what is it, getting guest actors? Or I think they all make the same rate. Like mm-hmm. Budget-wise, there's not that much to argue, whereas if you want to do something crazy in a live action, like you have to get them to pay for the sets or the special effects, or, you know, we got to do it, we have to, you know, we're going to do a rock climbing episode, but we got to do it all in one day, so you got to pay overtime on the crew so we can get all the shots on the rock because we can only close this park. For, like, there's just so much more into that than in animation. They can go anywhere. So. They can do anything. I think they're going to explain... Rick's backstory pretty fully. Uh, I'm more excited to see where the show ends rather than where it goes. Do you think Just, this is it? This is going to be this final season? No, no, no. They they got renewed for like 70 episodes or something. But but even they're going to do more than 70, right? I hope so. Oh. I hope it, I hope it becomes <laughs> the next South Park and they just keep I doing know. it. God damn it, good. I think if anything, uh, the guy who does all the voices, who does Rick and Morty's voices, his voice will go before they run out of ideas or get sick of doing it. Because Adult Swim is smart enough to be like, oh, we have lightning in a bottle here. Just go for it. Go, go. Here's here's seven seasons. We don't have to touch base until then. I just I just watched an episode before I came over here, and Dan Harmon himself was credited as a character. And I'm I could bird person. He's bird person. He is bird person. He doesn't <laughs> even do a voice as bird he person. Doesn't. It's he just doesn't. his voice talking like this, Morty. Yes. It's, Thank it, he you does, for coming to my wedding. He does a couple of voices. He also does my the, melding he ceremony. Does the flu, he does the <laughs> he does the flu hating rapper in the Cronenberg episode. 
The flu-hating rapper. Yeah. In the Cronenberg Yo, episode. Hey, flu awareness. Got the <laughs> flu all up in the airness. He's really obsessed with freestyle rapping in his own life. He's not the only one. I, too, <laughs> uh, find myself oh to my be... Oh, my God. I'm, I'm like, I, I rap all the time. Can we get a Rick and Morty rap before the end of this episode? Well, yeah. Do you need like uh, some ideas, topics, or just one thing? How do we do it? What's your... Should I throw out a couple of elements? I want you in and percolate it, and then you'll be ready by the end? Or? I would love... I could use some leading words. I could also... well, it Or would, a situation, maybe? Like Rick and Morty at the strip club? Something like that, but not that. Because that's... I can do a rap. I need a... I can, <laughs> what do you need from me? You need a premise? Well, I need a beat, but you're not... I don't think we can mix a beat into the headphones, so I could probably do... I could if I had one, but I don't have one. Like, I could, if you could... If I could pull one up on my phone, like a open source one, I would throw that up, but... We could try something like that. I, I don't have any beats prepared. You're correct at that. This is normal. <laughs> Shit, John. This is normally a nerdy beer podcast, but I, I would have been ready if I knew. I don't, I don't need anything but the, the, uh, the blank easel and the listening ear and the ability to... All right, well then... Put my my. So at some point tonight, I want you to do uh, Rick rapping at Morty and Morty rapping at Rick. Is that doable? Yes. Okay, so just think about that in the back of your head and... We'll uh, maybe after our next beer break, we'll we'll sit down and I'll come try back. to rap for you. People. So it's it's like a rap battle between Rick and Morty. Are you going to be Morty? No, no, you have oh, to do I'm both. I don't both. know how to rap. Okay. I would, but I, I it's not one. You you said you can do this. I'm not claiming to know how, but I do try. That's fine. That's 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 exactly what I say about podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> I really we really don't know what we're doing here. They've just did some fucking weird ass music festival out in California. The Adult Swim put on a music festival called like the Ricktacular Musical Experience or something where like so there okay, so there is an episode of Rick and Morty where at the end of it, Rick and Morty like are like, All right, fuck it, let's just fake it and they like do some weird ass rap to like main like a, on main stage of some festival, right? Like that's part of an episode where Rick and I, I, this is like such there, a, it's like there's, a, there's a, there's a couple, there's one where he gets so drunk. He plans a giant party. He doesn't remember. And that's he has the, logic uh, headlining the Vol, it. Volk, Vol, the Volt, the vindicators, vindicators, <laughs> which is the Rick and Morty, like making fun of the Avengers, yeah, which is so good. That's but, a good one. Uh, million ants, million ants. <laughs> and, uh, Christian Slater played like the Iron Man type guy. Oh God. And he dies pretty horrifically as you would imagine, like a pretty boy type character. Anyways, uh, I didn't know that so, was Christian Slater, but yeah. that makes sense. So he does he does one in that, but I think you're thinking of the simulation one where he's trying to he's trying to he's in a he thinks he's in a simulation and he's trying to crash it. So they go up to a stage and he starts like doing things to overtax the system. So he's like, everyone between thirty five and thirty eight, hop on one foot and spin at like you know a rate. Uh, of you know, coordinate to your birth date or something like just trying to throw too many variables to crash the RAM that was running the simulation. But like they do a concert, like yeah, everyone put your hands in the air that falls under this specific criteria. And 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 he tests. He he. I love how he does that. We can get into simulation theory too. I kind of as more time goes by, I that think this Shoney's episode. I think this world we're in is a simulation. So in that one, he's in the Shoney's with the family, and he's telling the story of how he escaped from prison. So. That means they went through, uh, like an artificial escape for him. Mm-hmm. Like they simulate. Who knows how long that played out for him? Hours, days, weeks. And he was kind of onto it the whole time. Like I shouldn't be able to escape this easily. They're tricking me. And the way he tests it 
is in the middle of the story, Jerry says something, goes, Jerry, stand up, step over there, and fold yourself seven times. He said, uh, fold yourself in half seven different times, and he tries to do it three times, and then he falls it falls apart. Said three. That's that's all you got, guys. Yeah. Which, but I don't know. Did you realize that it's it refers to that uh, idea that you can't fold a piece of paper more than seven times? Have you heard of that? I haven't heard. They did it on MythBusters. It's just like a physics thing. You can any size piece of paper. You can't fold it in half more than see it more than seven times without it's just not possible it won't fold anymore and they did it with like a hydraulic press and a giant thing and the paper shatters after here you do it all right guys here we go i've got a piece of notebook paper here it's maybe six by 18 it's it's not standard just just fold it in half one one fold Oh, God, there's no way. But So he tries to get him to do it, because if he was able to do it in the simulation, then you know it's not real, because it's not possible. I'm on four folds. Five. See, it's getting hard. (laughs) It's just a mathematical thing. It won't... I can't get seven. Can't get seven. Told you. Fuck it. I wish we had video of that now. Here we go. You were so confident after two. I said, show me. You were like, I "I got this. But... uh, so I just love that he did that as a test of like of the of the program, but he didn't even make it up to he should have been able to do six. Well, not really because he's a person, not a piece of paper, but he folds himself in half like three times before the program crashes. But as just as more life for me goes by, the more I'm sure that what's going on around me is a simulation. Well, but that's not saying that like at the beginning when we were saying, I think I'm the only real one and nothing else is real. You're all just NPCs in the simulation. I'm not even convinced I'm the real one. I might just be a really complex NPC that thinks he's real. Not that complex. <laughs> exactly. That's part of what leads me to that conclusion. I, you know, I, I, see, I see what I do with my free time. I'm, you know, pretty yeah. uninspired. I watch Rick and Morty. I is this really the best the universe can create? Yeah, out of randomness is, is me. Uh, I'm not buying it. I... Um I'll follow that theory. You know, if if I'm just if I'm just a character in your delusion, I'm okay with that because I'm having a good time down here. See, I'm okay. That's what we go back to the George, the Dan Harmon nihilistic thing. Is I'm okay too. I might not even be re- the real one in this fake simulation, but that gives what I do even more meaning because I'm doing it because I want to. Then, yeah, has uh, or because I think I want to. This is internet world. This is my first podcast, and I'm having a blast. That's great. I didn't. Yeah. I didn't know how it would go. Uh, I'm down here in what looks to be an IKEA kitchen showroom. <laughs> <laughs> Our podcast studio used to be just for podcasting, and then we turned it into a kitchen, um, but that you don't use. That I don't use. So it's back into a podcast studio with an oven and a sink in it. So very it, clean. Down it's here, very guys. clean. Um, but you know, we, we'll mess it up a little. I'll be all right. <laughs> um. We were talking about... We can wrap this up soon if you want and start a new recording because hour and a half is about an episode. That's your max? Okay. Yeah, usually, and, but we do a lot of two-parters, so let's, let's wrap up this half and then we'll launch into another. Ooh, I like the pun. Let's wrap up this half. I'm having some fun. I got Rick and Morty on my mind. I can't even see the time go by. He's an interstellar galactic scientist and I'm feeling a little sick because it's hazy IPA. Ah, oh, fuck. Oh, uh, man, do you need it? a beat? I could try to do a beat. All right, go ahead. You try to do a beat. <laughs> no, 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 no. Do, do something different. <laughs> all, right, all right. Okay. No, no, you, no what no, do you want? What's natural? Do what's natural. I don't want to... I'm not dictating. Do... do uh, poo, poo, tea, poo, poo, tea. 
I said Rick and Morty. I said Rick, Rick, Morty. He's a scientist, and he's a little kid in high school. This shit is crazy, and I don't know what's by school. Vanilla. 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 Vanilla coming at you. All right, guys, we're going to do a part two. <laughs> That's a teaser. That's a little rhyming teaser. There might be some more freestyles on part two. Uh, you're gonna just you're just gonna have to tune in to find We're out. We're gonna have to parallel timelines, parallel dimensions, parallel hip hop lines, parallel rhymes. A little more snare in my rhymes headphones. on rhymes on rhymes. Boom. Just parallels for days. Well, thanks for coming on. Uh, I appreciate it. Uh, thank you. Uh, this has been a fun, um, you know, Harmon esque part one. And uh, hopefully, we get enough, and you guys come back for part two with uh, the wonderful Charlie Humphreys. Uh, I hear you have an album coming out, though. Let's plug that on this episode That's before we great. go to the next That's one. That's great. I am, I've mentioned a few times a musician. I play in a, gosh, I will go ahead. I'll just play in a R&B rock and roll based band out of Asheville called Moves, M-O-V-E-S. Find us on Spotify. We're releasing an album by the same name coming up. There's some videos online. Uh, search it on Facebook. Moves. So the album is called Moves by Moves. Moves by Moves. I like it. Yeah, we're trying to. We're making moves. We'd like to say self-titled album. You know, it's 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 a passion project, and it's available now. the The record is not available yet. There oh. are singles out there. There are videos out there. I am blessed to be in the backing band of a very strong core group of songwriters. I just play the trumpet and the piano. Check out Moves, M-O-V-E-S, because we're making moves. Yeah, I like it. All right, so we'll, we'll put, put a link in the episode description. And uh, thank you, funky fucks, for listening. <laughs> All right, I'll see, see you next time. Bye. <laughs>